2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story.
3: In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
2: This is Popcorn Podcast with Lee and Tim, and in this week's episode, we're reviewing Baby Teeth. Plus, for the latest movie and trailer news.
3: Okay, so let's talk baby teeth, Tim. Straight out of the bat, I just want to say, I have not been moved like this by a movie in such a long time.
2: I, as you said that sentence, I had chills going down my back because I, I think that we're really going to feel the same way about this movie in a lot of ways. And being moved is certainly one of them. You're so right.
3: So, the movie's directed by Shannon Murphy, who makes the jump from directing television series to movies here. So, this is her first full-length feature debut. Do you want to tell us a bit about the story?
2: Yeah, sure. So, Baby Teeth is what you call an unconventional love story, and it's focused around the title character, Miller, who's played beautifully by Eliza Scanlon. And Miller is battling a serious illness while also dealing with the ups and downs of falling in love for the very first time. And the object of her affection is a delinquent drug dealer who is significantly older than her.
3: Yeah, a total creep, basically.
2: He is a bit of a creep, isn't he? And I think he is a very interesting character. One of them. They're all very complex, interesting characters, aren't mm. they? But he's he's certainly up there, isn't he?
3: I love that she wore her heart on her sleeve, despite her circumstances, despite being seriously ill, and and despite what an absolute excuse my language fuck boy, this Moses <laughs> is. And how horrible he was to her He treated her pretty poorly
2: He treated her quite disgracefully. And, you know, Mila wearing a heart on a sleeve Yes, very true She she made herself incredibly vulnerable And it was kind of a mix between her being authentic about her feelings But being incredibly naive as well mm. Because she is such a, a young person But dealing with all these things that no young person Young or old even should ever have to go through And you can just imagine what that would play to your emotions and feelings and the decisions that you make. Uh, and they're only exacerbated by her being so young.
3: The screenplay is written by Rita Kalnajase. I don't know if I pronounced that right. Apologies. probably didn't.
2: I think you're pretty close there.
3: Based on a play that she actually developed for Belvoir Theatre in Sydney.
2: Did you think it felt like a play? I mean, my opinion is no. I thought it was really beautifully realised for the medium of film. I wouldn't have picked that it was kind of... It had once a life on the stage.
3: No, I wouldn't have picked that at all. I mean, the dialogue was quite simple and straight to the point, and I think that was really beautiful in keeping with the theme of the film.
2: Do we want to talk about the the characters? Hmm. We have uh, Miller's parents, played by Essie Davison, Ben Mendelsohn.
3: Fantastic performances from those two, as you would expect.
2: I mean, Ben Mendelsohn is just... Oh, I mean, he's just beautiful to watch. Mm-hmm. Whether he's playing a villain, which he plays quite often in Hollywood these days... But then his dramatic turns as as Miller's father in this film. He is so I, I use the word vulnerable, I think, in reviewing this film, thinking about it, and I, I think that encapsulates his performance as well. It's just so raw. Honest. Honest, yeah, yeah. And how about Essie Davis? Like, talk us through like her demons that she alone was going through as the mother.
3: Well, she's fantastic just always, let's be honest. Yeah. She really delivered here as a mother who, you know, had her own things going on. You know, I like that both the parents were just almost children in themselves. Yes. Struggling with dealing with the fact that their daughter is seriously ill, struggling with the pressure that puts on their marriage and their lives. The father is a psychologist, is that correct?
2: Yeah, he's a psychologist or psychiatrist because he can offer prescription.
3: Mm -hmm. So he he has his wife... Hopped up on meds most of the time to balance her emotions and help her deal with things, and he's also self medicating to deal with things. So that was a really interesting aspect to the film.
2: Yeah, I think self medicating through different means is kind of an underpinning theme of this movie. I mean, you, you're you're leaning into the choices that these characters are making, young and old, and I think that. Even the parents call out themselves that they that they're making bad decisions as parents, mm-hmm. and what you encounter is the fact that they they really don't know what to do, and they just let themselves be walked all over. Not only within their own marriage, but with, with their daughter and and the inclusion of Moses in their lives, so thrust upon them in this quite chaotic, messy period of time mm-hmm. where they're grieving the loss of their daughter but she's still alive you know yeah. like they know she's going to die and it's just this awful cloud mm. hanging over this story that that in parts really injects these beautiful moments of color and nuance but at its core it's just really sad
3: mm. and they let her get away with murder basically it's they're quite obviously aware that this may be her first and last chance at experiencing love. And although Mm. it's a terrible choice, they're letting her have it. And do you think that's, you know, she gets more leeway because she's so ill?
2: I think so. And uh, uh, watching the film, I felt really challenged by the decisions that the story we're making at the beginning Mm. because I'm like this is not believable like why would the parents one let her talk to them in that way the fact that she's having these conversations somewhat you know like private conversations she's so openly just having in front of her parents there were some decisions that were being made but then as you get to know the characters and their circumstance a bit more and at, at the heart and core of why they were letting their daughter experience this love or this relationship mm. and this friendship, all these words, you kind of have to empathise with them and, and try and understand because you on- you honestly can't understand what they're going through. No. But wh- how did you feel?
3: Well, exactly the same, and I found it so challenging that she would pick this boy, or not boy, he's in his early 20s, he's a young man who is yeah. just so off the rails, Mm. Treats her so terrible I mean it's a really toxic relationship If you can even call it that Yeah. Some of the things he does You just think Oh why are you going back for more But it is because You can't help who you love And you know First love is all consuming Whether it's ill-advised or not
2: Yeah and I mean Look Moses The character of Moses He lives in this world of enablers And I think that Miller's parents Are part of those enablers That Mm. lead him Continue to lead him on this path of destruction but their daughter's in the in the thick of it at this moment in time and they have to kind of balance that being enablers to his drug addiction but then also allowing him to give something to their daughter that they know she will never be able to experience
3: Mm.
2: you know ever again because of because of her illness
3: there are some quite darkly comic aspects to this film as well did you find that
2: i enjoy that yes I really do Yeah there were some pretty quirky characters And the humour and the, and the themes around it I love their neighbour across the road
3: Which also felt a bit random
2: You felt it was a bit random
3: Some of it yeah
2: Oh yeah I mean I guess it's just There is life outside of their home and, you know, it turns out that some of those happenings were a bit quirky and weird and you just kind of go with it. I think mm-hmm. it it helped cut through, you know, the seriousness of it a bit for me. I quite like those breaks of just weird, awkward moments, to be honest. I, you don't feel the same. You felt it was a bit, bit off.
3: Oh, yeah, no, no, no. It did make it feel more human and more natural, definitely. There were some threads, though, that they pulled at and I just thought, why did you start unraveling that thread?
2: I guess it kind of leans into the theme that Things are messy and things cannot be resolved easily or quickly. And it's almost like we're looking at this family in a moment in time. And these threads will continue to unravel and like Mm. later, the story we just haven't seen. We just saw a little... Pocket of it, so I guess maybe that's the the play there
3: let's talk a little bit about how the film was made. There was sort of handy cam style of cinematography going on, and the use of abrupt scene cuts and it was broken up into chapters. How do you think that all came mm. together?
2: I at the end of the film loved it. I loved that this narrative positioning was presented to you in such you know. Like, not chapter one, not chapter two. They were very... Some of the cue cards were really specific. They were a blimp in time, or they kind of encapsulated a more longer sequence. And I thought it was a really interesting way to tell the story.
3: I think it made it feel more like a diary entry.
2: Oh, that's really nice insight.
3: Yeah, breaking it up into how she might be writing all these things down in in her diary. You know, today was chemo day started. You know, today was falling in love. Today was when he gave me a bit of romance. You know, that kind of thing.
2: Yeah, it did. Now that you say that, it kind of felt like a young person was kind of just jotting thoughts down into a diary. That's a really, really nice insight there. I like that.
3: And I think the handicam style of footage sometimes... It made it feel more intimate, like you were getting mm-hmm. a glimpse into this girl's mind or her diary.
2: Yeah, I think that it helped you lean into their into their life and into the story and who they were. Because what ultimately happens is this just, I don't know, you just get this flood of just emotion and empathy from this family throughout this film and certainly at a at a particular moment. And I think all of those choices helped you get to that point and helped you really, like... Wow, take it all in and be really moved.
3: There are also a few fourth wall breaks thrown in. Did you notice that?
2: Yeah, I did. I counted two and I don't know how I feel about it, to be honest. I think it was unnecessary.
3: I got six. Six? (laughs) We were counting them. We were counting them. You missed a couple. Oh, gosh.
2: I missed quite a few, it seems.
3: How did you feel about that?
2: I I, I just... I didn't want them. I didn't need them. And I kind Mm. of felt uh, it's uncomfortable. I think breaking the fourth wall is really uncomfortable, Mm. but maybe more so in a drama where – they're kind of sucking you into this, to these relationships and to this awful dark story. And I don't want to be looked in the eye by these people who are going through all this pain. I don't know. For me, it was quite, quite unsettling. How about you? (laughs)
3: Don't look at me. Don't look at me. (laughs) Don't look at me. I'm crying. (laughs) I actually think it was a really good tool to increase that intimacy. And as I said, bring you into her world. I think it was like a little nod to the audience saying, come into what I'm dealing with and what my life is. Yeah.
2: Maybe you're like, you can't escape this. I'm looking directly at you. So you, you have to try and understand me. Yeah. You have to empathize with me. So yeah, that's, that's a nice point.
3: I love the use of music in this film too. It was a very big part of the storytelling, wasn't it?
2: Yeah. I love the soundtrack and it really carried a whole lot of scenes. I think that party scene Mm -hmm. and that beautiful cinematography with, with the light, you felt like you're in this, MoMA art exhibition and there was this Mm. beautiful kind of a weird didn't I didn't think it was real it felt dreamlike to me and I think that was okay because she was she was for a moment feeling normal and like a teenage girl at this party and yeah the the soundtrack really took you there as well
3: Mm. the music was really sweeping and dramatic sometimes and it could be quite loud and in your face and I guess that's because Teenage emotion is extreme highs and extreme lows. Everything is life and death and the music reflected that, I think.
2: It was kind of like an extension on those, you know, subtle diary entry title cards to the more dramatic kind of pull you in ones. And I think the music kind of played with those techniques as well.
3: I'm going to give this movie four kernels. I think it just hits hard on so many different fronts and it's a real stunning example of how good Aussie film can be. What would you give it?
2: Oh yeah that's a really good positioning for it I was very impressed I was really proud of that it's come from from our market and I think I really hope that people discover this film and learn from this film and feel from this film I'm going to give it three and a half popcorn kernels I'm not not too far behind you there Lee I thought it was a beautiful really wonderful devastating movie
3: that's baby teeth which is in cinemas now get out and see it
2: Alright, we've got plenty of movie news to cover off in today's episode Mm -hmm. And the love child of our podcast right now is Warner Brothers Tenant What's happening there?
3: Well, it's going to be releasing in Australian cinemas. After all, after being removed from the schedule, it's now been announced that it will release in Australia earlier than the US on August 26, which breaks from the traditional day and date release model where movies debut almost simultaneously around the world.
2: Yeah, and I mean, North America is the world's biggest film market and it remains pivotal for major movies to turn a profit. But obviously, WB's hope to shake up the system, given that the market outside the US... Are really starting to reopen safely and desperately, need new movies to entice crowds.
3: Speaking of the US, a deal has been made between AMC Movie Chain and Universal in the US that will dramatically shorten the length of time movies play exclusively in cinemas before heading to the premium video on demand market. And Universal will be able to offer titles for rent to people at home after only three weeks for around the cost of a movie ticket. So that's about $20.
2: I don't know about you, but that really concerns me because, uh, I mean, it's it's the sh- sign of the times. I mean, mm-hmm. usually in Australia, we have a three-month gap between... A cinematic release and it finding its way on rental or to buy. Mm. And I guess the pandemic has forced distributors to get creative and release movies on digital straight away. We've seen a few titles like that. I think it would be really interesting to see what knock-on effect this will have around the world as cinemas start to open up. What do you reckon?
3: Well, it's definitely a historic deal, but will it discourage people from going out to the cinema? I don't know. Or will it increase revenue for a struggling box office? It could go either way, and I'm really interested to see how it pans out, especially with Tenet.
2: Obviously, the latter is true. It will help inject into a struggling box office, but I think will it discourage people going to the movies? Potentially, I really just hope people are still yearning to go and have that shared experience.
3: In other news, director Jordan Peele is teaming up with Issa Rae to make a Universal Pictures movie called Sinkhole that tackles issues of female perfection and identity. It's based on a short story by author Lena Crowe, which follows a young family who moves into its dream home with a gaping sinkhole in the backyard. That doesn't sound like a dream home to me. (laughs) The mysterious sinkhole fixes broken and destroyed things, but what if that broken thing is a person? Do you just jump in?
2: Gosh, I love the way that he approaches underlying social commentary. Jordan Peele is such a master in in that world. And I think it's going to be quite an interesting way of telling this story.
3: Do you think this might have a horror angle to it?
2: Uh, Yeah I hope so It sounds bloody terrifying Jumping in a sinkhole No thanks (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that would have been On the listing of the house
3: We got a steamy trailer For After We Collided this week It's a sequel to the movie After Which is based on a new adult book series By Anna Todd About the tumultuous relationship Between Tessa Played by Josephine Langford And Harden Played by Hero Fiennes Tiffin
2: I had to look over my shoulder As I was watching this trailer Because I'm like People are going to think I'm watching porn Like it was quite intense I mean, I think, what was it, a two-minute trailer and a minute and a half of it was in the shower? Like, I was like,
3: woo! I'm not a huge fan of these movies, which is fine because I don't think I'm the market that it's directed to. People love them, really. Like, young Mm. adults just eat this crap up. But, I mean, the relationship is just pure toxic between the two of these people.
2: It does not look healthy. I think they need to jump in the sinkhole and see what happens (laughs) to them. A fun fact, though, the books originally began as a One Direction fan fiction Mm. about the band members attending an American college and a girl falling for bad boy, of course, Harry Styles. So, I don't know. I don't get that vibe, but... Apparently that's a fact.
3: Exciting news! Courtney Cox has officially signed on to return as Gail Weathers in the Scream reboot that's set to begin filming later this year. David Arquette already jumped on board earlier in the year. Plot details are unknown at this stage.
2: Uh, I've talked at length about my love of the Scream franchise. Mm-hmm. One and two, three is kind of yeah a bit a bit soft from my perspective. But then when they rebooted the franchise in twenty eleven with Scream Four. I was all for it. It was really clever. It felt like it was original again and I loved the way they they brought the story back in. And then it kinda of bombed. It's almost been ten years and there hasn't been another Scream movie they did a netflix tv series which was god awful i don't think i got past episode one so i'm really excited that they're bringing it back the original cast members seem to be flooding back in like yeah gimme 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 i'm really keen
3: i'm keen too i really really want nev campbell to get on board i don't know if it's been officially announced yet but we need her
2: i don't think you can do scream without her i'm sorry like it it's that's the long and short of it from my perspective don't do it if you don't have her
3: Well, that's it for Popcorn Podcast this week. We reviewed Baby Teeth, which is in cinemas now, a great Aussie film. Get out and see it.
2: Definitely. We're really keen to support Aussie cinema, so hopefully you guys can get out there and watch it. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time.
3: Thanks for listening.
2: We have a website, popcornpodcast.com. Go check it out. We've got all our episodes up there for you to listen to.
3: If you'd like to get to know us a little better, there's an About Us section and we run giveaways. So keep an eye on the website for more information. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.